Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Brownie Points. I'm Dan. I'm Nick. And this is the podcast where a guy with a film degree. And a guy who needs you to get three caskets ready. Talk to you about movies. This week, we talk about the dawn of the spaghetti western genre with... My mistake is four caskets, and we talk about a fistful of dollars. That review coming up now on this episode of Brownie Points. Alright everybody, welcome to another episode. <laughs> oh, that was foamy. Ah, <laughs> oh, that was awesome. Uh, yes, guys, welcome to another episode. This week we took the time machine to 1964 for the first film of whether you call it the Dollar Trilogy or the Man with No Name trilogy. It's a fist full of <laughs> Nope, not that movie yet. <laughs> it's a fistful of dollars, everybody. It stars Clint Eastwood, Marianne, a uh, coach, I hope that's how you say that, along with Joseph Egger, Wolfgame Lutzki, and John Wells. I'm not going to try to pronounce anybody else's name except for the legendary director Sergio Leone, based upon the Akira Kurosawa film Yojimbo. If you didn't know that, Nick, it was, uh, <laughs> this will be the first bit of trivia I just go ahead and spoil. Uh, this movie was actually sued by the company Toho because uh, Sergio did not pay that company for the rights to to Yajimbo, even though this movie more or less ripped it off uh, kind of scene for scene. Uh, <laughs> you haven't seen, you haven't seen Yajimbo either, right? What do you think? <laughs> I'm just making sure. <laughs> I'm just asking because it's hey, a very... Here's this incredibly obscure movie title from a foreign land. Have you seen it? Person who's barely seen domestic movies? Uh, I would not say the word... I would not say the word obscure because Akira Kurosawa is one of the most legendary directors on the entire globe. But I also say this, listeners, because as a guy with a film degree... I am admittedly embarrassingly behind on Kurosawa films, including Yujimbo. I've been meaning to watch it, but I just... Sorry, guys. I just haven't. I'm very behind on my Kurosawa films. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, the film that was inspired by Yujimbo is A Fistful of Dollars. Yeah. Nick, you're the one that uh, brought us here in the time machine, so why don't we start off with your hot take? What did you think of this movie? It's all right. No, um, I give this movie um, on our scale where a pan of, uh, full pan of brownies with sprinkles and icing is the best movie we could see. A full pan is a pretty good movie, but it has some things that can be improved. A half pan is a 50-50 so-so movie. Single brownie is a pretty bad, but not the worst thing we've seen movie. And then a cookie is so bad that we can't even recognize it as a brownie. Therefore, it is a raisin cookie. Um, I give Fistful of Dollars our highest rating i loved this and also having watched this right after having finished that stupid pedantic 
up its own ass movie, whatever we just reviewed. This movie is a breath of fresh air. <laughs> that movie was I'm thinking of ending things. Uh <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking of watching this movie again instead of having to sit through uh I'm thinking of Jesse Plemons. Um I'd much rather watch a movie about an obsession with Jesse Plemons than watching that other movie again. <laughs> <laughs> what about listening to a podcast with an obsession with Nicolas Cage? Oh, well, now you're making me pick between a... I don't know. You're putting me between a rock and a hard place because I don't want to choose. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had seen a little bit of this movie, not very much. Um, one of my first notes about the movie was, ah, a spaghetti western, where the movie's not complete until you can hear the very clearly dubbed-in audio. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I really enjoy the movie. I find I find the, um, I, the, the character is badass. The story I find very interesting and compelling. Um, I find the – it's hard to say action because, I mean, it's pretty tame for a quote-unquote action movie, if you were to say. But um, I, I was talking with a guy at work about we were doing this movie for the show this week, and I was like, you know – I'm not the biggest Western fan, and it's not because I think they're bad. I just really haven't seen that many. And I was like, but the Westerns I have seen are all really good Westerns. So I'm not saying I'm a Western guy, but I do like the Westerns I've seen a lot. I give this a full pan. Okay. With so sprinkles. Okay. <laughs> so a little bit of context for... For me, I, I'm also admittedly not the most versed with, uh, with Western films. Um, I mean, I can list off a, a handful I have seen. Like I've seen True Grit, No Country for Old Men. Uh, Did you see the remake of True Grit or the original True Grit? I've only seen the uh, the remake. I haven't seen the. I've uh, only seen the remake too, and I thought it was pretty good. Um, I mean, most of these are just recent ones like a uh, hell or high water hostels um i've seen uh oh bone tomahawk bone tomahawk is a great newer western but i mean like there's a lot of classics would, I you, had... would you consider hidalgo a western yeah that's a yeah that's a western with vigo okay, morrison hidalgo okay that's pretty entertaining yeah. talk about a movie talk about a movie i remember the like advertising and, like, the huge push for that movie, and then it came out, and for a movie that wasn't outright terrible, it just dropped off the face of the planet. Hey, yeah, I hardly remember a damn thing about that other than Viggo Mortensen was in it. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, I haven't seen it, but, um, but yeah, no, there's a, there's a lot of Westerns, like, classics I haven't seen. Like, I, I haven't seen The Searchers, I haven't seen Toons, Tombstone, I haven't seen... Uh, unforgiven or open range like there's a lot of westerns i'm embarrassed to say i haven't seen but um so that was a little bit of an interesting kind of uh way to come into this like the this being more or less no pun intended like the godfather of the spaghetti westerns which which really i mean nick do you know what that really means like what it is to be a spaghetti western it's just a western movie done by an italian guy i yeah, more or less. <laughs> it was really fascinating reading about this um, afterwards. Like, it's not like our last movie where I needed to do a bunch of homework to understand what I just sat through. But really, like, in my history, 
classes in, in film school. It was more about like the, the golden age of like LA and straight up United States Hollywood. It wasn't really about this specific subgenre. So reading about how Sergio was like inspired by Kurosawa and what he did by uh, adding kind of Japanese flair to the Western formula, Sergio has his specific uh, visual style to which he made movies before this, but then just added Western into it. Like he just took his style and just wanted to make a Western genre film. So it's place in history. I think is a bigger deal than what the actual movie is not to really diminish the movie itself. I, I love, I love this as it is. Like I've, I can't say that I haven't seen like, uh, other projects that do this, I think personally a little better. Uh, like the whole conceit well, of you Samurai. You have to think about like, the time frame that it came out too. Like, well, yeah, no, I'm just. It's kind of like where I'm coming from with Star Wars, where like I don't think Star Wars: A New Hope is. Well, it's 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 like what I said with Cuckoo's Nest last week, where it's like I have seen movies have something more to say than this movie, but the fact that this movie came first and laid the groundwork for saying what this movie's saying it it kind of gets the credit for saying a lot because of the time it came out. Well, no, absolutely. This movie does deserve, again, like it's place <clears throat> oh, God, in history. <laughs> it deserves its place in history for what it does. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of really great action in this. I think I love the acting in it. Like, uh, especially like all the supporting cast between the two families. I think there's a lot of great interplay between them. It's kind of great that Clint Eastwood like is the star of this, but like, he's really just kind of, that morally ambiguous kind of uh, kind of pulling the strings between like the two families to end up getting what he wants, just like money. But then he also like, Oh, well the city's safe, but I got my money anyway. Like <laughs> I kind of like that moral gray of his character. Mor- itself. Moral ambiguity just for the sake of money. Yeah. I-, I love that aspect of his character. He doesn't really care about anything other than money. And then maybe he cares about the woman because it's a maternal figure. And like, you kind of can't, and- and the kid. Yeah, yeah, and the kid too. Um But no, like I like I'm saying, like it's I'm still giving this movie sprinkles. I still think this is an excellent, excellent movie, but I I mean if I'm being honest, like I, it's it's not one I'm really dying to like watch again. Like I there's just call it a personal quirk. There's other westerns I'd rather watch again. Like I'd argue Logan. Like the one next week. Well, I I do want to see He's the rest of the end of the episode a little early. I do want to watch the rest of this trilogy for sure, um, especially because I've heard the other two movies are even more violent than this one. But, uh, but you know, I mean, I just... I Dan sees the violence in these movies and you just hear from under his desk. Well, okay, we can talk about that. The violence in this movie is pretty impressive given its time frame. But, I mean, what I'm trying to say, like, I I don't put this above uh, my personal affection for, like, I know it's a TV show, but, like, Samurai Jack... Which is yes, a sci-fi western, uh, nitpicky. I it, it's still an excellent western at the end of the day, or or even Logan. Like yeah, Logan is an X-Men movie, but at its core, it's it's a western do. Like, um, but I mean, I'll I'll get off my high horse and stop more or less pooing on this <laughs> movie, get off even your though high I'm not horse trying and get to get on a mule. <laughs> I'll get off my ass and. Uh, <laughs> I'm not trying to I'm not trying to make it sound like I'm pooing on this movie as much as it sounds like. I do think this is a genuinely good movie and it 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 rightfully earns the the throne that it sits on as the 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 king of the spaghetti western subgenre. It really is an excellent movie, guys. Um 
And yeah, it's on Amazon Prime as of this taping if you want to watch it along, if you haven't yet and want to still listen to us. So, um, Nick, I mean, what's uh, what's something that really stood out to you? Where do you want to... Where do you want to start with us kind of dissecting this? Let's start at the beginning. Um, no, I, I do want to say, uh, before I forget, uh, just looking at some of my notes, I did not take very many notes past the first 20 minutes. Like, my my notes I really want to point out are the most badass line in the movie is when he's walking to the guys that were shooting at his mule's feet when he rode into town. And he looks at the guy that work, that makes the coffins and he goes, get three coffins already. And he walks by and he kills all four of them. And he walks, he walks back and he's like, my mistake, make it four coffins. My note was, the balls on this guy. I was not expecting a line like that in a movie this old. That was just so, like, I don't know. There was, there was a level of humor in that that was so kind of blue and kind of morbid that I just like, oh my god, this movie's from the mid-60s, and he said that? Like... Yeah. <laughs> I love that, too. I thought that was great. Well, I, you know, just talking about, you know, his name, like, it's the man with no name trilogy. His name's never said. We know virtually nothing about this guy. We don't well, know the where guy, he came from. The coffin maker calls him Joe a handful of times. Yeah, he gets called Blondie in uh, uh, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Uh, but his his name they never give him a name. Um, I love that though. I love that that adds to the level of mystique of just like, um, he's he's not a bounty hunter. But I I, I read a little bit of an interview with Sergio that called him the bounty hunter. He's he basically is just like a force to be reckoned with, and he just shows up. We don't find anything about his history. We don't find out about any affiliations he has with anything. We don't find out uh, what his goal in life is. We don't find out why he's coming to town. We don't find out where he's going once he leaves town. We don't find anything out other than he's just like, yeah, all right, I'll do it for the money so I can just keep going. He's he's just he's just walking death and justice. He's walking dustus. See, that's what's that's something that I think is really groundbreaking is that yeah, your poster child, your main character, quote unquote, it just kinda is there. He doesn't get as much screen time, he doesn't get as many lines, but he is as critical to the forward momentum of the story and the 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 cause which makes the effect and the consequence of everything that happens in this movie, and you identify and watch the story through him, even though it's really him caught, well, in this case, literally in between the two families of this uh, of this town that like are just ruling this town, but in like a perpetual civil war with each other. But the fact that yeah, he just stumbles upon this matter of factly, and we don't get anything outside of that. That's when you know you have a hell of a good story. Is that when you completely forget and don't care that we actually don't know anything about this main character, but you're still going along with it anyway. Well, that's the other thing that's funny is the lack of character development is actually what's great about the movie. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, as like, rare as that's ever said. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like we know nothing about this guy, and it's the best decision this movie makes. Well, yeah, it's it's what it's 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 a tightrope walk that is so hard to pull off, and that can really only be pulled off in the western or a movie in the style of the western. Like, I, I'm probably going to mention Logan a couple more times, but. I'm super. I'm, I'm super tempted to just have us skip all the way to Logan, 
and see if you can draw any parallels between that and this movie without really having, well, you've seen some X-Men movies, but not really caring about them. Like, if you can get drawn into it like you were with this movie, like if you could see any of the same elements that you would see in a normal Western. Well, I I think this story concept would work really well. Obviously it did because of Toho suing him and like a ninja movie. Oh yeah, well samurai. Let's be let's be <laughs> let's be samurai, sensitive. Sorry, it's a samurai sorry. movie. Yeah, Akira Kurosawa. No, I thought I thought it was a ninja movie. I was just saying, but I just in yeah, in no, no, that, no. Like, yeah. in that movie style, like you ca- you can't have a non-genre specific movie where your main protagonist has no character development and it works. It's got to be genre specific. It's got to be something where the lone wolf lone warrior by themselves personality type thrives that doesn't work in like a can you imagine a romantic comedy where we knew nothing about one of the characters oh jesus christ (laughs) that would actually be a really funny experiment he comes into he comes into town and he's like murdering people and he's like the bank teller is beautiful and then they have like a love story and then yeah yeah that's what Ew. Well, bless you. <laughs> that tasted terrible. I was going to say, we see somebody, like, hold up the boombox, like, and say anything, and then it's just like, oh, he's playing the music for me. But really, he's just, like, pulling it just back behind his head to smash it over somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the question, I, one of the questions I have for you is, I have said I like uh, Ennio Morricone's music a lot. Um, and I've been on record saying how much I love The Ecstasy of Gold. Now, that mm-hmm. song's not in this movie, but do you like his music? What did you think of the music in this? I liked it. I did. I did like it. I don't know if it's like up there as one of my favorite scores, but I think in isolation, like... Whenever it was really heavy on the trumpets, like, in between showdowns, I think that was when it was most effective for me. Um, not to say that the main title sequence wasn't, was bad. Like, I really like the kind of, I miss having opening title sequences like that, where, like, it's got the animation and it's got the lively music and you just hear the, and the, the guy (laughs) singing with it too. Dude, it sounded, it sounded like a bird call kept going off in the song. You, yeah, you only see things like that, like, literally in James Bond now. Like, uh, even for the show, I think the only time we've seen it besides this movie was Catch Me If You Can, because it was paying homage to, like, yeah. those yeah. late 50s, early 60s movies. And well, what's funny is, so, I, I like I've said, I really like Ennio Morricone, or Morricone, how do you pronounce his name? Oh, yeah, he's, and, no, no, he's definitely one of the best uh, composers that the industry has ever had, for sure. And listening to this, I here's the thing. I really like the music. Knowing how much his music gets better, I'm like, hey, come on, man. Like, this isn't your A game. But it's really good. Uh, it's one of those things, too, where I – so because Did you think I there was watched, a little too much flute? I If I have one no. massive criticism, I, I don't know. I got a little – I was like, uh, this is a lot of flute. This seems kind of odd. No. I, I loved it. But to me, <laughs> to me, because I watched Cinema Snob, the 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 two spaghetti genres I know are westerns, uh, and well, I barely know westerns, but uh, 
uh, spaghetti horror movies, like zombie movies. Spaghetti horror. Please tell. There please is, tell me what he listed as like spaghetti horror of Italian horror movies. Well, it's not called spaghetti horror. It's like Italian horror, whatever. It's just like giallo movies and stuff like that. Um, I've n- I don't think I've ever seen an Italian in- specific horror movie before. That's interesting. I got some cinema snob episodes to send you, um, but because of that genre, I know that a lot of the Italian-made movies, like one of the big complaints, like the Italian like westerns and stuff, the big complaint in those movies can be that the music gets overbearing due to poor sound mixing and then trying to be too epic, and it's amazing that this movie doesn't have that but yeah i've got to send you some stuff there are instances where the music in the in like this and the uh italian horror genre the music can get overbearing where it's like we're trying to be too grand can you dial it back that is funny i i i was uh i was going over the trivia before we started taping and Sergio actually worked with uh, Marconi, and he composed a lot of this music before the movie came, or the before the movie uh, was filmed, which is bizarre because usually you film the movie and then the composer watches the footage, the dailies, or a rough assembly, and then kind of composes the movie, the movie's music around that. But in this case, Sergio just loved Marconi's music so much he just would describe the movie and Marconi would create compositions and Sergio would shoot and edit the movie around the already pre-made music. So, um, so that's why a lot of the pacing in this movie is kind of spaced out because Sergio didn't want to cut any of the music. Like the music was already so long. He was like, okay, I can only cut when the song ends here instead of forcing a cut here. Like, I don't know. He was just so in love with the music that really influenced a lot of the editing in the movie, which I thought was pretty fascinating because that's not how you make movies now. You know, <laughs> it's like making a making a line of toys and then making the movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Schumacher burn. <laughs> what did you think of the? Uh... Imagine if Schumacher made this western. Oh you... no! I'm I'm glad Schumacher <laughs> you never see, made a western. You could, you could just all the. There's like neon lights, like those weren't even around, and then you can see their nipples through their shirts. Oh God, no! I no, that's I'm glad that will never exist. Rest in peace, Schumacher. Um, <laughs> what did you think of some of the? What sh- killed the dinosaurs? The Sand Age. Oh, I thought you were gonna say my six shooter. <laughs> he killed every dinosaur in the world yeah. with six bullets. <laughs> He just, well, just like Clint Eastwood, he just whipped it out and just with the back of his hand, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> look, I know, I know that people have pointed out in, in the past too, that like Westerns are incredibly unrealistic for like how, like it's, you, it's unlimited really hard to fire from the hip, that rapid fire and hit all those targets to kill them. Um, and that the, the exaggerated like oh my god he got shot and he felt he jumped back through a window or he got thrown back through a window because he got shot with a bullet um stuff like that but it's just so it's so badass i will give it a pass it really works in this movie i agree i it, i mean some of the it's dated because of some of the reactions like 
I kind of really laughed when uh, when the stagecoach got shot up at the river and the guys were running up the hill and they like reached back. They didn't say this, but they reached back to their backs just like, ah, my spine. And then they fell over. Like, <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. My, my, my spine. I'm not supposed to get bullets in it. Yeah. <laughs> there was some menace in that sequence, though, like a point of view from the machine gun. That had to have been very inventive that, back not, in the day. That's not a machine. That's not a machine gun. That's a Gatling gun. Oh my god! Point of view of that high caliber of a gun, though. That that had to have been pretty inventive for back in the sixties. Like, well, it, it makes me think of um, the beach scene in uh, Saving Private Ryan when they show the MG forty twos in the machine gun nests firing at the people coming off the li- landing craft on D Day. Oh right, it, yeah. There's yeah, I, th- like that. That shot matches perfectly. Oh, yeah, there's no way. Like, when I saw that shot, I mean, I didn't think of that directly, but you saying that now, I I wouldn't be surprised if Spielberg pulled influence from Sergio for that shot. Um, and then also when the one soldier rides off on the on the horse, but then uh, I forgot the, the, the brother's name, but then when he shoots him, like, 50 yards away uh, in the Ramon? river. Ramon? What? Is it Ramon or Chico? Uh, I think think it was Ramon. Uh, oh. I got the cast list uh or no, I'll pull the cast list up here. They were uh they were the what were the names of the two families? It was the Rojo family and the, the Rojos and I don't remember the name of the other family. Okay. Um oh Ramon. That yeah, Ramon was the guy that shot the guy at the river. Yeah, Ramon was like the evilest out of all of them. And then there was Esteban and then uh Don Benito. Which which one was the guy that had that really like hyena laugh? Uh, I don't remember. Late, late in the movie, there's several instances of them, um, there's, like, one scene where it's the guy that ends up getting shot at the very end of the movie, and he falls out the window, because he sticks the barrels of the shotgun out the window, and then, uh, uh, as Clint Eastwood's walking, he's gonna shoot him, and then the, uh... Oh, um, that wasn't Bartender shoots him. Or that wasn't Ramon. Ramon was the one that he fought at the well. I think that was Esteban. Okay. That guy's yeah, laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm looking at a photo of him now. Yeah, it was Esteban. That guy's laugh, the entire movie. Like, once he started doing that laugh, I was like, my God, I just want you to get shot. <laughs> um, I'm trying to, uh, just because I don't want to keep ignoring the names of the other family. Uh, the, it was the Baxters. That was it. The Baxters and the Rojos. Man, they got like not a cool name. <laughs> you got the Ro- <laughs> the Rojos and Baxters. It's the Rojo and Tucker. <laughs> it's the it's the Rojo and Miss Piggy. <laughs> it's the Kermits and the Rojos. <laughs> oh my god! And he's just sitting there playing his banjo, and he gets shot, and and then someone just like inserts the shot of him going yay. Except uh, they don't have him going yay, and he's just getting filled with bullet holes. <laughs> Waka waka, boom! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for killing your childhood, people. Um, Can we talk so, about the cinematography in this movie? Like more about that, like how yeah. ridiculously beautiful the close-ups are. Um, so where did you? Okay, where did you watch this? Did you watch I, it on Amazon? Yeah, I watched this on Amazon on my fifty-five-inch TV. So I I own the I own the Blu-ray obviously of it and it's why we picked it for the uh, review but um 
it was not this is not an instance like with sleepaway camp where they did a 2k upscale of it it's just a regular like hd blu-ray conversion and it's one of those things where just like watching the movie i'm like my god i like it, it it's it's similar to um what was the motorcycle movie i hated the motorcycle movie you hated jack nicholson was in it oh easy rider yeah easy rider it's one of those ones where i'm like man like it looks fantastic but it's one of those ones where it's like man i can only imagine how good this would look had it been filmed using modern camera technology like how vibrant the colors would be it, it probably honestly it probably looked a lot like breaking bad well the color the color of it um I I did stumble a little bit on like there is a specific color palette that Sergio was using for this movie to keep it kind of keep it kind of muddy, keep it dirty. Like he didn't want this movie to look particularly like clean. Like he wanted this to be like a a a, a dirty, nasty, war-torn well, kind of look to this movies, movie. Movies like this are what gave inspiration to Star Wars because Star Wars is is very famous for how well it look or how good it looks because it looks so lived in. This movie looks incredibly lived in. Yeah, absolutely. Like especially for how small the set is. Like literally, this is set almost exclusively in two buildings and one street. Like <laughs> it's it's two, there's two buildings you go in and there's four buildings total. Oh, and then the river, like when we go to the, like, the stagecoach in the river. Yeah, like the t- the town consists of the two warring gangs and then a guy that makes coffins and a guy that owns a bar. Yeah, but it's it works so well, like not so much the sets like going to, going back to uh, or getting off the cinematography because uh, the characters themselves like there's there is such detail given to know every single person and really it works to the script's benefit that all we need is for clint eastwood to be in the same room and be quiet and sergio and the other screenwriters they don't just create archetypes or just like mouthpieces that say cliched exposition that we've heard a million times like we get to understand like the rojo family a little bit and the hierarchy with the three brothers and then we get to hear about the baxters and like how it's really the matriarch that runs their whole family, but the Rojos are in our way. And then the Rojos are like, well, the Baxters are in our way. They got chocolate in my peanut butter. Like, they... It's <laughs> they, fat, got it, cho- they got their chocolate in my peanut butter, so let me get their lead in their torso. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was really interesting. Like it was, There was a surprising amount of detail in that. Death. You just huh? missed my great joke. Yeah, no, the, the belly full of lead, yeah. I was. No, 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 no. It's Reese's, it's candy... Or death. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. Uh, Reese's, if you want someone to join your marketing department, call me. Yes. Um. Um, <laughs> speaking, speaking of Clint Eastwood sitting there quietly, Clint Eastwood, I, okay, so I've seen a decent chunk of his movies. I've not seen all of them. I wouldn't even say I've seen half of them, but I have seen several of his movies. We've only done the mule, or not the mule. We've only no, done the, Richard Jewell. We didn't even Jewell. do the mule on here. We did Richard yeah. Jewell. Yeah, that's the but... only Clint East. That's the only Clint Eastwood movie we've done for the show, isn't it? I'm not. I'm like ninety eight percent sure it's yes. I'm not hundred percent positive. I'm pretty sure that it is yes. But yeah. in terms of movie of him being in movies, other than Trouble with the Curve, um, he is 
very good at playing a super intimidating person. Like, well, this was his bread and butter. Like, a good third of his resume, if not a quarter of his resume, is just westerns like this, like in Outlaw Lo- Josie Wales and Unforgiven. And this was his bread and butter, like, all the way until the 80s. He's the boss you never want to let down. Like, <laughs> it's not because he'll scream at you and, and like, rip you a new one. He's just going to sit there and be like, You might die today. Do you feel lucky, punk? And yes, oh I know God, that's a I Dirty Harry reference. So you, Calm down. <laughs> have you seen? Have that's actually a, I have all four of the Dirty Harry movies. Yeah, I have a collection. Yeah, I got a I got a DVD box set of all the Dirty Harry films too. So, so you've seen Dirty Harry then, right? Uh truth be told, I've only watched the first two. <laughs> I never I've finished. Seen, I never finished the whole box set. I've only seen the first two. I've seen I've seen Dirty Harry and I don't remember the name of it but it's the one where he's training a bunch of new recruits and then it turns out they're criminals. Um I don't remember the name of it, but uh, there's I love, well hold on there's uh I have it right here Dirty Harry the Enforcer Sudden Impact and Magnum Force. Yeah, I, I think it was Magnum Force. Um that's but, sa- that sounds right. I'm not 100% sure though. I barely remember the second one. I it, it guest stars Danny DeVito, and he's like, hey, I got a Magnum condom for my Magnum Dom. <laughs> and Clint Eastwood's just like, that's a force. Um, But so Clint Eastwood in Dirty Harry, that line, do you feel, did he fire five shots or six? Well, to tell you the truth and all the excitement, I lost count myself. But you got to ask yourself one question. Do you feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? That line, so I, I don't know if you consider this a spoiler that movie's like 40 years old. Uh, um, try like almost 60. <laughs> yeah, whatever. So at the end of the movie, when he finds the killer, he says the same thing to him. And Clint, it's like like the best Clint Eastwood ever because you can see how much he just wants to kill this guy. And he's like, please move for the gun so I can try and shoot you. And the guy makes a movement for his gun and he shoots him in the chest. Oh, dude, see, moments like that make Dirty Harry so memorable and why I don't remember a damn thing of the second one. Like, I can't honestly remember which title was the second one anymore. <laughs> well, it's it's funny because in The Mule, he plays a not intimidating guy. <laughs> and it's like, Clint, I get that you're old and frail, but at the same time, we've spent our whole lives being scared of you. Well... I mean, to be fair, he did the most boring treatment of making a movie about a drug mule I've ever seen. I was bored to tears watching The Mule. You've seen Gran Torino, right? Oh, you want to talk about a Clint Eastwood masterpiece? Yes, Gran Torino is amazing. That's a great movie. Get off my lawn. The part where he starts talking to him and he's like, we used to stack, we used to kill people like you and then stack their bodies five high and use them as sandbags to block the bullets. It's like, you are saying that to teenagers. I just asked you if you wanted some lemonade, sir. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, no, I I love Green Torino. That'd be a great movie to do for the show. I would love to rewatch that again for this. Yeah. So, getting back getting back to the Clint Eastwood movie we did watch for the show. Yeah, not um, a whole Clint Eastwood retrospective. <laughs> but well, it kind of is. It's it's amazing to see how he went through life typecast as this actor and continues to pull it off flawlessly. Yeah, 
I'd argue the mule's not, but yeah, throughout but it, his no, career. No, 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 the yeah. mule, The mule is not this kind of character. Yeah. The mule is not an intimidating loner. The mule is a really nice, frail old guy who's trying to do white by his family, and he falls on hard times, and he needs money. It's Walter White. Yeah. I think that's making it sound better than it is, but this is not a mule review. I'm sorry I kind of detracted to the main point that you were trying to make. <laughs> um. But what I'm getting at is just when he does the scary, terrifying loner, he's incredible at it. Whether he's in his 30s, like in this movie, or six feet away from a coffin, like in his later movies. Right. How many have you seen, like sticking to like his Westerns? Have you seen Outlaw, Josie Wales or Unforgiven? Uh, I did not, I haven't seen Unforgiven. I have seen the Outlaw Josie Wales, but it was a very long time ago. I was really young. Okay. I, another secret shame with Yujimbo. I haven't seen either of those either, but like my, I said, I, I haven't dad, seen a lot of Westerns. My dad really likes the Outlaw Josie Wales. So okay. I know, I know he showed it to me when I was younger. Well, he, it's not so, so he grew up with, um, obviously he grew up with my grandma, grandpa, his parents, but, um, you met my grandma, uh, you've met her before the wedding, but you met her at the wedding. Her favorite actor... Oh, right, actor, yeah, 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 I remember her. her. Her favorite actor is John Wayne. Uh, and her and my grandpa, for years, the only movies they would watch are westerns. So my dad saw a lot of westerns growing up, and he, I mean, he saw a ton of them. So oh, yeah, I mean, he, I mean John really Wayne, John Wayne was in the original True Grit. yeah. So he actually, my dad, I told him, I was like, I, I really want to see True Grit. Cause I think I've said on here before, uh, Jeff Bridges is an actor that I really like. If I see he's tied to a movie, like the second Tron is probably the best instance. I'd never seen the first Tron. And I was like, eh, that movie looked kind of interesting. And they're like, it's got Jeff Bridges. And I was like, I need to go see this movie. <laughs> Jeff Bridges, if Jeff Bridges is put into a movie, I immediately like want to see the movie twice as bad would you say he's your 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 screen man crush like me and jake gyllenhaal no my 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 screen man crush is ryan gosling oh but, okay <laughs> uh, but in terms of like an actor who I, I i like him i like how he performs so much that i just immediately go if all else fails i will find him entertaining it's jeff bridges so my He's dad I literally I told, never let you down. No, he has. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, Oh no, he, he was terrible in that one movie <laughs> when he, no, when he works, it's amazing. So, but I remember my dad, I told him I want to go see true grit. And he goes, Oh, I remember seeing that when I was younger. I want to go see it. Cause I want to see if it's as good as the other one. Um, but yeah. So my, but uh, back to the point. Uh, yeah, I've seen, I've seen Josie Wales. Cause I remember my dad showed me it when I was, I was pretty young. Like I think I might have still been in elementary school. My my dad owns a uh, a Blu-ray or either a Blu-ray or a DVD copy of Josie Wales. I think. Oh, okay, I was just I was just looking uh, if Crazy Heart, the movie he won an Oscar for, was uh, was streaming because I was going to add that to the watch list. Oh, uh, okay. You haven't um, you haven't seen Crazy Heart, right? No, and I I feel bad because that's actually one I wanted to see and I just never saw it. Oh um, well, I I have it either if it makes you feel better. Uh. So. <laughs> If if you were to take the because since we're gonna do uh, um kind of spoiler alert for the outro the movie I'm picking next week is for a few dollars more, 
uh, which is the sequel. I think we've insinuated enough that we're going to go through the whole trilogy. I don't think that's necessarily row, the yeah. biggest spoiler. <laughs> but so with with neither of us really having seen that movie, where would you take this afterward? Dude, it's wide open. That's something I want to note that like is really brilliant about this too is that it's so insular. Like there's no I'd be I'd be hard pressed to believe any way that it another movie would connect to the to the first film like and i i mean spoiler i know what the basic premise of the next two films are and literally none of them have they have they have no connection other than it's clint eastwood's character from these movies yeah so i mean like maybe my answer is a little loaded because i already know they don't well it's it's interesting because to throw out another franchise that keeps having sequels that are barely related to the other movies fast and the furious Oh, I thought you were going to say Kathleen Kennedy's new Star Wars. <laughs> no. No, Fast and Furious. I mean, well, I take that back. Yeah, they do kind of undo a lot of stuff they did. But Fast and the Fast and the <laughs> Furious franchise, just for some reason, I don't remember what movie it is. I think it's I think it's eight. When they introduced Jason Statham, they're like, he's my brother. And you kill you tried to kill my brother. He's in a hospital. He's in a hospital. I don't know why that's my Jason Statham impression, but. <laughs> He's in a hospital bed. He sounded closer to Asian than British. (laughs) He's in a hospital bed because of you. And I'm going to have to kick your ass and kill you. Like, they like, to continue the story, they literally, they'll end movies where they just wipe out an entire gang, family, bloodline, like, hereditary gene pool. They just wipe it off the face of the planet. And then they go to the next movie and they're like, we got to find a way to get this to tie in. And I find it so interesting that this movie does such a good job of just there is no way it could tie in to the first movie in any other way other than to have the bartender, the coffin maker, and uh, Clint Eastwood's character. Here's a pro tip for anybody writing a franchise, and I'll yell it for the people in the back. All you need is the same main character. You can completely bake up the story from there. Also, if you want me to do a Jason Statham voiceover for your movie, <laughs> listen to my demo reel and give me a call. <laughs> but, okay, so so that being said, what would you do in the sequel? Dude, I have... I, man, I... I have no idea, really. Like, I, if I had to, like, if they said, like, it had to tie into the first film, I would make it, like, kind of, uh, I would keep it with the Rojo family, probably, because they seemed more of, like, maybe because we got to know them a little bit more, and it felt like that, if I were to guess which one family would go after him, if not both of them, it would be the Rojo family, like, one Mm. of their cousins, happened to come by and see the town was just abandoned more or less. So you'd introduce Jason Statham. Sure, if he <laughs> if he played him. I cuz I don't I, I really don't know. I like I I don't I don't know. I'm not really a writer. I I honestly have no idea what I would do. I, like especially with a wide open door like what they did with the other movies. I have a general idea of what I would do. Okay. And I'm not but, saying I'm not saying if the movie doesn't do this that it's that I think it's terrible. This is just like if someone went, okay, you watch this movie, where would you go from here? I would have him continue moving out west and get to California. 
You wouldn't have and, him go. You wouldn't have him like stay in Mexico or on that no. side of the border. No, I'd have him continue going out west, and I'd have him get to California, and I'd have him get there during the gold rush, and I would have him get into like this area for people that were uh, doing the gold rush, and he, you know, he'd be a pan, um, panhandler, I guess. He'd he'd be he'd be mining for gold or panning for gold or whatever it's called you're the san francisco 49ers fan you would know what i'm talking what i'm talking about yeah you're um, just you're 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 sifting a pan in the water looking for gold yeah you're a panhandler technically so i would have him get there he starts doing that and then this big company is moving in and they're like hey we're gonna take over the gold mining operations and they start either forcing people out of doing this line of work or they recruit them and get them like you always heard about like uh sold my soul to the general store songs where like coal mining towns they the coal company would make yeah. their own money <laughs> and then you'd work I for the saw, coal company and then to buy stuff I saw that used in the South Park episode that made fun of Amazon where like Butter's yeah. dad was in the carpool and then he's at work and it was just going 16 tons what do you get but it's all it's all with him working at Amazon. <laughs> yeah. So I would I would have a similar situation to that where that or the, if they go to the company they work and so it's about people that are trying to keep their freedoms and move along and he and they're like, "Well, we got to get rid of this company." And Clint Eastwood's character will do whatever pays him the most due to moral ambiguity and he's helping these innocent people that can't fight back against this corporation fight back against this corporation and they kill them all and push them back. And then the people are saved and he gets a bunch of gold money. And then he rides off into the sunset to go do something else. You know how many people would call you a liberal pariah if you made that now, like in 29 or 2020. <laughs> just, I'm not, I'm not trying to make a statement on big business. I'm just trying to say they're like, Oh Yeah. No, I can't. I, 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 I am people out, and then it's and then it's the West, and how are and how are problems solved with lead? Like I was, I was joking, kind of hoping that you would have a pause and just be like, "Yeah, I got other ideas too." No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not trying. I'm not trying to make a statement. I'm just trying to make something entertaining. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just busting your chops. I like I'm, that idea though. I'm that not, is, I'm that is a Charlie, very. I'm not. That is a universally I'm timely Charlie, idea though. I'm not Charlie Kaufman. I'm not deep and so deep up my own ass that I can start to smell my own breath. I was gonna say that's more like a Upton Sinclair in the in the jungle, except there's the uprising is the story. It's not the end of the book. Uh. <laughs> 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 but uh, but no, tying back into this, I mean, I. But yeah, just, just to be cl- just to be clear, I'm not trying to make a socio political statement. I'm just trying to make an entertaining movie. Yes, yes, I'm busting your chops. Um. But yeah, I mean, I I feel bad that, like, I mean, we have talked about the movie. I'm not saying we haven't, but, like, I I don't know. I'm trying to think of I other think things. I think we've to... talked about it. I mean, we haven't done a plot point by plot point breakdown, no, but we've talked about the impact the movie's had, the stuff we really liked in the movie, and then yeah. also uh, the work that went into it and the, and the impact it's had on life and what we would do if we were to continue the series. I mean, we have talked about it. Okay, so yeah, I guess I'm just weirded out by the fact that we haven't done a plot by plot breakdown but i mean no it's it's one of those movies where like the just it's like we went to a museum and we're like just dissecting the piece of art like it's i don't know like i said i at face value i mean it's 
without the historical context, it's just another Western. I'm not particularly that blown away by it, even though there are really well done elements of it. But I mean, the fact that this was the this was the start of a whole new subgenre. I mean, that you kind of can't not appreciate it. Like, I mean, I I think at face value, this is better than Star Wars. Like, like I did in the bonus reviews. I don't think Star Wars without the historical context is that great a movie. But I get where its place in history is. So I mean, when take you say that Star at- Wars, are you saying are you saying a New Hope <clears throat> or all the original trilogy? Oh no no no! Strictly a new hope. I, so okay. I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is I like this more than Star Wars. I guess. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> whatever that. Whatever. Can you imagine? Can you imagine like if in the middle of a gunfight, some guy just pulls out a stick and it lights up, and he's like, bang bang, oh I'm dead. Oh dude, no, it would have to be. It would have to be Battle of Heroes from Episode 3, because that's the best piece of music John Williams ever wrote for Star Wars, in my opinion. That's such an emotional song. I thought you were going to say, you are so wrong. <laughs> no, that's such an emotionally powerful song. Oh, like, as, as flawed yeah. as Episode 3, I can't even remember if we brought this up, as flawed as the prequels are, and as flawed as the uh, Episode 3 is, you can't take away how emotionally powerful the music is in that movie. I 100% said that John Williams wrote the best music for Star Wars in that movie, if nothing else. <laughs> and that means you agree? <laughs> yes. Sweet. Um, Who would you then, cast? Oh, yeah. That was what I was kind of going to segue into also. Um. <laughs> Who would you cast Nicolas Cage to be and why? I would... I would want to cast him as... Um, Oh, uh, what was his name? Esteban? Whatever the, uh, the one that came in on the stagecoach kind of later into the movie. Uh, oh, Ramon. Sorry. Not Esteban. Not Esteban. Uh, I would want him to, to be Ramon. I think Nick Cage is, like, really the most menacing out of all the brothers. Like, and really, like, the one pulling the strings over the, the, the father. Like, uh, I don't know. I really think that in that pink button-up shirt. I think Nicolas Cage could have been a really awesome villain in this. Do you want to think I'm a complete idiot? Uh, what's your pick? Is it the woman? I swear to God, if you say the woman... It's the child. Oh, Jesus Christ. Just because the child is constantly running and screaming and crying and getting kicked, I think it'd be hilarious. Dude, out of all the dubbing, the kids was the only one that I actually found distracting. Like... It took me a minute to get used to it because I was like, oh, oh, yeah, Dan, don't forget. This entire movie is dubbed except for Clint Eastwood. Just just, just get over it. It's going to be out of sync or it's going to sound weird. But whoever did the little kid was, I guarantee you, was not a little kid. It just did not sound like an authentic kid crying at all, in my opinion. I just like when he's crying. It's just, just sitting there and I was like, kid, calm down. Just calm down. Oh, my God. It was so over the top. I was just like, like it upset me a little bit when in the first scene when they were like shooting at the kid, by the way, that's something you don't see in movies now. Uh. <laughs> I love the fact that the dad goes and gets the kid, gra- grabs his hand and they walk nonchalantly back to their house and the guys are still shooting at their feet and they don't seem phased at all. Oh my gosh. Nobody seems that phased when they're getting shot at, like, and the, they're obviously missing. Like, I like when the guy- This is America. 
I like when the guy was uh, getting shot at that was being the lookout, and then Clint Eastwood shot the door closed, and it just, like, cartoon, boom! Like, I'm surprised there wasn't a goofy cartoon the rico- sound effect. The ricochet sound effects in this movie are, are spot on. Oh my gosh. I, like I was saying, I fully expected when the guy got hit in the head with the door for there to be just like a, like a Flintstones, like, boom! Like, and then he falls over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, oh in the cat i do, that's my last note i want to say before we wrap this yeah. up you remember the did you go back and listen to what i was talking about where the cat no, ran I out heard, of that i room? heard it i heard it the first time i remember i was like what the heck's up with the cat oh my god i laughed so hard at that because that was just like it was like that cat snorted a line of coke and then clint eastwood came in and it was just like it was like the most insane cat noise i ever heard in a movie <laughs> That sounds like a podcast series, Cats on Coke. <laughs> so, Mr. Whiskers, how are you? <laughs> Mr. Whiskers, how are you doing? Great! I'm doing fantastic ones for dinner. <laughs> Let me lick my butthole. This catnip is so freaking good. <laughs> I got nothing else. <laughs> I don't either. I say we take a brief break for now. And then when we come back, listeners, we will let you know what we got coming up next week. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, that is it for this episode of Brownie Points. Thank you so much to Isla Marka Fuge and Nick for the music right. provided. <laughs> For the music in this episode, Nick, your guitar riff, and Isla, your your theme music that has been with us for over a year now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, next week, guys, we got two movies that we're going to be watching at home. Yes, we're going to be skipping the movie theaters once again, uh, partly because by the time you're listening to us, our bonus <laughs> we're not review... We're convinced they'll be open. <laughs> Well, we also found the time to give you a bonus episode of Tenet, if you have not listened to that yet. That is in your podcast feed right now. But yes, uh, that aside, we are staying home again because we are watching a horror movie at home. We're going to be going on Hulu and take the time machine first to 2006 to watch these monkey fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane in Snakes on a Plane. I promised we were going to get one horror movie in on October, and that's what it's going to be in our first trip into the time machine. Nick, remind the listeners where we're going to be going for our second trip in the time machine. 65? Yes. Yeah, 1965 for a few dollars more. Yes, we are continuing our adventure through the Dollar Trilogy, the Man With No Name Trilogy. A few dollars more is our second film. Of course, it continues to star Clint Eastwood and be directed by Sergio Leone. So, if you liked our thoughts on Fistful of Dollars, we got a little bit more of that coming next week. So, in the meantime, Nick, let the listeners know where they can reach out to us on social media. I don't know if the listeners just heard, but I uh, farted. Uh, Facebook, Brownie Points Guide to Cinema, Instagram, Brownie <laughs> underscore points underscore guide, and Twitter at Brownie underscore cinema, as well as Brownie Points Guide to Cinema at gmail.com. 
Make sure you send us Brownie Bites ideas, whether they are topics to discuss, countdowns to do, movie trailers to review, movies to make sure we review, whether they are brand new or they are time machines in theaters or streaming. Make sure you also are leaving us movie reviews on the platform, you're, or not movie reviews, uh, podcast reviews on whatever platform you're listening to us on. We would love to hear from you. I muted my mic when you started that. That's why I laughed late. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, listeners, we will always continue to be in your ears here on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Anchor.com, Overcast, and all other major podcasting platforms. And as this pandemic continues, I will always remind you guys that there is light at the end of the tunnel. So continue to wear your masks, wear your gloves, wash your hands. Just look out for your fellow man, and we will be okay. We're going to be fine, guys promise pinky promise so that is all we got for you on this episode we'll catch you next time that'd be really great if we just got a random fistful of dollars <laughs> like someone just what like knocks on our door we open it and they just like stick their hand in and they're like money pocket washington's <laughs> <laughs> pocket sand <laughs> oh no what's the what's the silver dollar isn't that kennedy on it Pocket Kennedy's. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you could have Kennedy's head in your pocket, whether it was a coin or if you picked it up off the street in Dallas. I'd rather have him in my pocket than on my blouse. (laughs) I'm upset upset you didn't react to what I said, but also that was a pretty good joke. (laughs) I was going to ask if that was too far. (laughs) Well, I said pick up his head off the sidewalk like he got his head blown off. I was just adding on to it. I did hear what you said. (laughs) (laughs) See you next week. (laughs) Bye. Can you imagine, like, if in the middle of a gunfight, some guy just pulls out a stick and it lights up, and he's like, Bang, bang, oh, I'm dead.